Welcome to episode 22 of the Ask Achieve show, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today's episode is all about fat loss. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. All right, episode 22. What's going on, Achievers? 22 is my favorite number, so it should be a great episode. <laughs> well, be, I'm already struggling to use my words. <laughs> should be an amazing episode. Great start. <laughs> all right, so the episode today is going to be all about fat loss. Um, we've had a, a few different questions here and there about fat loss. Um, we had one recently that kind of made us feel like we should just address that as an entire topic for an entire episode, so that's what we're going to do. Um, so the question came from Ver Oz with a lot of Z's uh, on Instagram. And she asked, um, I do have a question. I've been exercising for many years. I love it and do it as a pleasure, but I also have goals that have been to that have been difficult to achieve. More muscle, less fat. Although I have gained some muscle, I can't find the balance between getting lean and not feeling tired due to dieting while maintaining muscle. I still have body fat in my back, belly, and arms for years, and I work out every day. Any advice? It's just frustrating that even though I eat whole foods and cook my own food, do high-intensity interval training and weights, I still don't look as I wish. Thanks, guys. Um, so this is a common frustration. This is a common feeling from a lot of people. And so we thought that today we could start to break down some of the ways that we can address this. Uh, the difficult part about any weight loss or fat loss question is that we would need a lot more background to start giving very specific advice, um, to each individual person, but we can give some general advice today that I think will really help a lot of people. Um, and you can kind of figure out which pieces of advice to apply to you based on what you feel like your situation is. Um, so what we're going to do is start by just kind of determining what your limiting factor might be in losing fat. Um, so there are, I'm not going to tell you which one yours is. I'm just going to go through a bunch of different potential limiting factors. And then based on what you think you're doing, uh, you'll feel that you fit into one of these categories most likely. Sound good? Cool. Cool. Um, so a first one, very common one, is uh, just not knowing what foods to eat, um, which foods to eat. And although this isn't necessarily always the, like a lot of people do know which foods to eat, right? Like a lot of us are like, I know that I'm supposed to eat vegetables and I know, like you know which foods you should eat. Um, you know which foods like that you probably shouldn't eat cookies every day. Like you know the basics, um, but maybe not quite all the details. So um, I was even just talking, I was talking to Emily, actually, our coach, Beinecke, the other day, and she was like, remember the old school pyramid, that food pyramid that recommended 11 servings of bread every day? <laughs> <laughs> and it literally did. It said, like, the bottom of the food pyramid was, and this was when we were in middle school, like, yeah. I remember going over this food pyramid, like, the healthy way to eat is 6 to 11 servings of bread, pasta, cereal, or grains every day. Mm -hmm. And that was the baseline. And then the the top, the next one was like fruits and vegetables. And then the next one was protein. And it was just, it, so if you came from that mindset where you, that was what you originally learned, now you might be hearing things like bread is killing us. And it's like, <laughs> bread is the reason that you're fat and bread is horrible for you. And gluten's terrible for you. And all these things, you're just like probably really frustrated and confused yeah. because you've been hearing so many different things. Yeah. Now everything is paleo or limits all your carbs and ketogenic and everything is so restrictive against carbs that the pendulum really swung the entire 
opposite direction. Right. So you might be sitting there thinking like, no, I'm pretty sure I know generally what to eat, but you may not even realize how many like different influences you've been getting and different people you've been hearing from that you actually might still be a little bit confused on, on what to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think number one, what we think is that it's important to have a balance of everything and to not ever eliminate an entire food group or eliminate an entire macronutrient group. So things like anything that says to eliminate carbs from from your diet or to cut out fat or to cut out sugar. Um, it's not, it's usually very extreme and also usually causes you to swing too far in a different direction. So when fat loss, when low fat items were the big like craze, everything was replaced. All the fat was replaced with sugar. Um, because everybody was like, oh, low fat, low fat. So people are eating low fat cookies and low Mm -hmm. fat ice cream and all this stuff. And it was just more sugar. And then everybody realized like, oh no, we're still, having a hard time losing fat what oh it must be the sugar so then everything went to low sugar and so and now it's replaced with a lot of chemicals and a lot of ingredients that we don't really recognize so instead of trying to eliminate different food groups why don't we try to get the best sources of each one and so that's what i'm going to break down right now um so let's start with protein so we really if you're trying to lose fat you definitely want to have uh, enough protein in your diet protein is going to be um, anything like lean meat such as or good sources of protein would be lean meats so uh, anything like beef pork chicken wild game um, poultry oh well lean meat i guess wouldn't be chicken but uh, beef pork wild game anything like that poultry like chicken or turkey fish and seafood like shrimp scallops salmon any good fish out there um, eggs or egg whites cottage cheese greek yogurt protein powder Um, And then any, for any vegetarians out there, you can still get some protein from cooked lentils or beans and tofu or tempeh. So those are all healthy protein sources. Um, Protein is going to help you maintain, maintain muscle mass, which later we'll talk about is a, is one of the factors in helping you to lose fat. So getting enough protein in your diet is going to be very important. Um, It's also very filling macronutrient. So if you have more protein in your diet, you may be less likely to overeat. All right. So that's protein. Um, carbohydrate sources, this one can be tricky because we do want to get a lot of carbs in our diet, but the most, the, the biggest portion of the carbs that we want to get are going to be fruits and vegetables, um, and mostly vegetables. So I think that the recommendation is still to have like two thirds of your diet be carbohydrates. Like it still should be a big part of your diet, but it's not anymore that it should be breads and cereals and, and, uh, pastas. It should be vegetables, um, you know, vegetables, fruits, uh, tubers, like potatoes, sweet potatoes, beans and legumes are also carbohydrates, and then also whole grains. So things like quinoa, rice, barley, oats, millet, sprouted grains, all those things. Mm -hmm. Um, What also falls in the carbohydrate category are things like bread, pasta, cookies, cake, (laughs) um, ice cream, or yeah, ice cream would, I guess, and protein. (laughs) Um, But there's a lot of things that fall into that category that aren't necessarily the best options. So when we say to get a a decent amount of carbs in your diet, we're talking about the ones I listed before, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, beans and legumes, and potatoes. Mm -hmm. Cool. And then healthy fat sources are going to be things like oil. So olive oil, coconut oil, flaxseed oil are all good options. Um, avocados or guacamole, and then nuts such as like almonds, cashews, pecans, walnuts, any of those, and seeds, things like chia seeds, flax seeds, pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds. Um, we want to watch out in the in the fats category for trans fats. Um, so if you are looking at a package and it has trans fats, they don't naturally occur in real life. They're not. They're actually produced in a, you know some sort of factory somewhere. Um, they don't actually occur in real life except for in the 
rumen of a cow's stomach, I believe. <laughs> I don't know why I know that, but I remember that from nutrition classes some, at some point. Um, so, so yeah, so those are the, that's the breakdown of the healthy sources of each of those macronutrients. Cool. Do you have anything to add, Jason? I have nothing to add. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when you are planning out your meals, every meal should include a serving of protein, a couple servings of carbs, making sure that they're mostly vegetables and fruits and maybe some whole grains, and then a small amount of healthy fats. And that can be how to how to portion out your meals. It doesn't have to be an exact science. Um, there are people who do really well with macronutrient breakdowns and counting, you know, the amount of grams that they're going to need for in each category and weighing their food. I personally find that very stress inducing. Um, and I find it to just be a little bit of like, I, I feel like it just makes my life too much about food. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that's something that I didn't want my life to be revolved around food. I wanted food to just be like an easy part of my life. And so for an enjoyable part of my life. And I felt like when I was like weighing my food and counting calories, it was not enjoyable for me. Yeah. I mean, as business owners, time is definitely one of our biggest um, priorities, I guess. And anything that we can do to make things go on autopilot, the better. And so counting calories and measuring every piece of food and really, um, I guess, like prepping to the nth degree would really limit our time. And also there becomes a time where it's like, like limiting results, right? The more, the more you kind of like weigh everything out, the more you portion everything out, uh, at a certain point, like it just becomes uh, negligible. Yeah. So instead of doing that for at, at the start, um, I would recommend just starting to go with, there's actually, if you go to precisionnutrition.com, they actually have a really good, um, explanation of portions based on like your hand size so you can get like for each meal it can be one hand uh, palm portion of palm size portion of protein a thumb size portion of fat and a fistful of vegetables or something like that and that can show you or grains and that can show you um how to portion out your your plate a little bit like in a nice visual manner Mm -hmm. um so go check that out but really as long as you're just getting a portion of each of those in your meals you're you should be eating the right types of foods yeah i think the big thing is not to like demonize a certain uh, specific genre of food like saying that all carbs are bad or all fats are bad it just becomes so unsustainable like if and i think a big thing of like psychology is that as soon as you start to limit yourself of a certain food group and say oh no you can't have that your mind automatically gravitates towards that being like oh well i really want that <laughs> and you go through this whole like negative cycle as opposed to just being like you know, here are some better options. Here are some not quite as good options. Let me prioritize those better options. And then over time, if I want to sneak in a couple of the worst options, then it ends up kind of coming out in the wash because most of your calories and consumption is dedicated towards those better options. Yeah, exactly. So that's going to be number one is understanding uh, types of food, which types of foods that you should be eating. So hopefully that helps if you fall into that category. Um, Category number two, limiting factor number two, I would say would be anxiety around food. This is something that I have a lot of experience with um, because I used to get extremely bad food anxiety to the point where I, as soon as I felt like a slight tinge of hunger, I would freak out. And I really would. I would freak out and I would be like, I need to eat something right now. And so because of that, I always had snacks on hand. So I always had like protein bars and nuts and they actually tended to be fairly calorie dense 
snacks because that was the easy stuff to carry around with me. Um, I didn't have like vegetables in my pocket, but I could always have a, <laughs> could always have a protein bar in my bag, right? Um, and so I realized that these, even though these things were kind of, I mean, they were kind of healthy, like having a handful of almonds is an unhealthy option, but when you're doing it all the time throughout the day, anytime you feel a little bit hungry, it really, really, really adds up. Um, so what I started using was a mantra, um, and I think it was, it's actually really powerful. So anytime I felt hungry, I would say to myself that hunger is not an emergency for me. Um, so hunger is an emergency for some people. Like for some people, they're hungry and they can't get food. They don't have access to food. That is an emergency. But I'm never going to be in a situation, I hope, knock on wood, I'm not going to be in a situation where hunger is a true emergency. And I had to remind myself of that to sort of calm myself down in that moment. And that there is always going to be food available to me if I truly, truly need it. But in those moments where I just felt a little bit of a hunger pain, like a little twinge in my stomach, I, I wasn't going to die of hunger. Like, I wasn't even close. <laughs> yeah. I could go a few more days without any food and I wouldn't die no. of hunger. Yeah, I think um, it, the, the first time I heard this, I was like, this is kind of weird. Um, but I guess this is a pretty common uh, um, thing that people have talked about in terms of, like, creating a mantra for yourself to tell yourself, tell your body and your brain that this isn't a crazy emergency. It's kind of like a, a way just to... Um, get beyond those initial like hunger pangs, I guess. Um, For me, what I ended up doing was uh, things like that don't necessarily work out for me. So things that I'll do is I'll just fill my time with something to get my mind off of it. Mm -hmm. And it essentially accomplishes the same thing, gets your mind off the hunger and gets it to something else, whether it's a mantra or a task or activity or piece of uh, whatever you need to do. Um, So yeah, just mantra or whatever category that you need to do to uh, get your mind off of it. Yeah, that's a good idea too. And I think that probably helps a lot of people as well as just to do something else, Mm -hmm. um, to focus on something else. It's basically just to shift your focus away from what that, that little, little twinge of hunger that you're feeling in your stomach. Um, (laughs) like I, and you know, this was a fine line for me too, because I did deal with some like disordered eating in the past. And so I never wanted to feel like I was, um, restricting myself from eating. And I think that's why it took me a long time to actually do this one because I was like, well, I can't like, if I feel hungry, I should eat. I should mm-hmm. never restrict myself. Cause that's bad. Um, but what I realized I was doing instead was I was definitely overeating because I was focused, so focused on not restricting. Yeah. I think <laughs> um, this, this yeah. kind of came hand in hand with, the big recommendations um, at that time, which was to eat six small meals a day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, like just eating in general became this sort of routine activity, whether you're hungry or not, or because you're eating so frequently, your body was like, all right, it's probably time to eat now. And then you resort to things like trail mix and granola and protein bars and all these things that, um, you know, when eaten here and there is fine, but when eaten consistently over a long period of time, those those calories start to add up, right? Yeah. So I would, I would recommend if you feel like you're somebody who does have some food anxiety, I would recommend coming up with a mantra or using mine um, that just give, gives you a chance to breathe, gives you a chance to come back to reality because sometimes mm-hmm. when you're in that moment, you feel very out of control. Um, so it puts you in control of the situation. You, you make the statement, this is not an emergency. I am going to be okay. I can wait until I get home. I don't have to pull over on the side of the road and get a, a burger or something. You know, yeah. like I can wait. I can wait. I can make it. My body's going to be just fine. This isn't an emergency. So that's number two. Cool. Um, number three is going to be portion control. So like we just talked about, we don't think that it's necessarily uh, like super important that you count your calories, but it definitely is important that you 
understand your portions and are, are being mindful of how much food you're eating throughout the day. Um, so hopefully, I mean, having that mantra may, may already just kind of eliminate the extra calories that you're eating throughout the day. Um, but there are some other ways that you can start to do that as well. So number one is just eating slower. Um, it actually takes your body 20 minutes for signals to get from your stomach to your brain to tell you that you're full. Um, and so that means that if you're eating a a huge bowl of food or a huge plate of food in five minutes, you have not had the chance within that five minutes, within that entire plate of food to actually know if you're satisfied, if you're full, or if you still need more. Um, you, it actually takes your body 20 minutes to, to figure that out. So what we would recommend would be to set a timer um, and just see at first what, what I did when I tried this one out was I just set a timer to see how long a typical meal actually took me and I realized I was eating really really fast <laughs> so I think I was eating in like four minutes because I was getting home from well I had my you know anxiety around food anyway so that already contributed to it plus I was getting home from a long day and I like I just was like oh my god I'm starving I was always that was my like I feel like that was my most common statement is like I'm starving <laughs> and when you say I'm starving you tend to eat your food really fast so what I did was I set a timer I think it was like four minutes for a typical dinner um, and then each week I tried to increase by a few minutes so I think I tried to add from four I think I tried to go to ten um, from ten I tried to go to twelve then to fifteen um, and eventually trying to get to a point where I was I was taking a full 20 minutes to finish my meals. Um, I was still giving myself the same amount of food that I normally would. I was just seeing the differences that I felt while taking longer to eat. Um, didn't really notice much of a difference when it took me between like four minutes and 15 minutes. It's kind of like the same. But when I did start to get to 20 minutes, I realized that I was actually leaving food on my plate because I was actually full. Um, and it was shocking to me. <laughs> actually shocking because I never... I never, ever left food on my plate. I thought, I mean, clean plate club was like definitely a thing in my family. We were supposed to all finish our meal. And like, that was not only were you not like, was it not, was it just something we didn't do, but it was like frowned upon to leave food on your plate. Yeah. I mean, I was totally same with our culture too. It's like, um, as for Korean culture, it's very like, um, it looks like a lack of respect or a sign that you didn't like your meal if you didn't actually clean your plate necessarily. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it even goes as far as to, like, you need to, like, slurp your noodles and, like, make a lot of noise when eating in order to make it seem like, oh, this is a very enjoyable meal, which is funny. But it, it's amazing how many of those things that you grow up with just stick with you. It's like, oh, no, of course I have to eat my eat all my foods and all my, yeah. you know, whatever. But, um, yeah, it can be very um, – have big impacts later on. Right. So – what, what I started doing was I started to just, after 20 minutes, if there was still food on my plate and I felt pretty good, I would actually just put the plate in the fridge for a little bit. Um, and then I would just wait and see what would happen. So either, and so what, by not throwing it away, it was just letting it be there if I needed it. So either in the next 20 minutes, I would decide, you know what? I'm good. I actually am like totally satisfied. I'm actually surprised that that was all the food I needed, but that was it. Or I can be like, hey, you know what? I actually am still hungry. I'm still feeling some of those hunger twinges. I'm actually going to go finish my meal that's in the fridge. Um, more often than not, I was actually more okay. Like I was like, okay, I don't, I didn't need as much as I served myself. And then that started to to give me more um, insight into how much food I, my body actually really needed. Um, so once you become more mindful, once you slow down and become more mindful of your food intake, you start to actually understand how much you need, not by a, 
calorie breakdown, not by some scientific breakdown, but actually what your body is telling you you need. Um, and so slowing down is a huge factor there. Um, and then adjusting the portions that you serve yourself. Eventually, over time, you don't need to set a timer anymore. You just know how much to serve yourself, and it becomes a lot easier. Yeah, it's interesting for me. Like when I uh, slowing down was pretty difficult for me. So like things like um, taking out a smaller portion size meant that I would just eat really quickly and then go get another bowl of whatever <laughs> <laughs> might have been the case. Or trying to slow it down uh, by like intentionally eating and taking the flavor out of each and every bite, like those kind of like common recommendations actually didn't really work that well for me. So one thing that I actually did was, which is probably frowned upon in most like fat loss recommendation circles is to actually start doing work while I was eating, which seems counterintuitive, but I would get into a point where I would take a couple bites and then work for a few minutes and then take a couple bites, work for a few minutes. And it would indirectly get me to a point where it was taking me longer to eat my meals as opposed to sitting there thinking intentionally about my food and me being like, I really want to eat this quickly right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's a great, that's a really good insight too, because there are so many rules around food mm -hmm. and there's so many things that people say you should or shouldn't do. Like you should eat at the table. You should never watch in front of the TV yeah. and you should, you should never be distracted, but maybe distraction is actually what you need at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's fine. Cause one of you know, some recommendations are to take, put your fork down in between every bite. Mm. That's essentially what you're doing, but you're putting your fork down and doing something else. Yeah. Um, I think it's a great, I think it's great to try. <laughs> Why not try it? If it works for you, it works for you. If it doesn't, then, then move on. Um, but I think that letting yourself be an experiment Letting yourself feel like nothing is permanent. So why don't you just give things a shot and see what happens and, and give it some time um, and not worry so much about like doing everything perfectly right now, I think is actually the best way to learn. It's how we learn everything else in life. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, that, yeah, all these recommendations we're giving you, just test them out. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, then it doesn't work for you. But at least it gives you a sense of ownership and control over this whole situation where as a lot of people get a lot uh, super frustrated and um, they feel very un-in-control, right? Right, exactly. Um, cool. So then I had one more on my list, which was um, not having a negative energy balance So that as a limiting factor. So basically meaning you're taking in more calories than you're expending out. Um, and so typically the recommendation is that if you want to lose weight, you need to burn more calories through exercise or through your daily activities than you're taking in. Um, that seems like very simple advice. It seems like that should be easy, right? Like yeah. you, and I used to, oh my gosh, like I would count all my calories and then I would go, I would only exercise on machines that told me how many calories I was burning. Cause that was the only way I felt like I could understand <laughs> if I was doing this correctly. Right. Yeah. So I was like writing down. And so also I was like only eating things that had calories on the box because that was the only way I felt like I could understand mm. how many calories I was getting in. So I was not only not eating the greatest foods because I was looking for things that told me how many calories I was getting in, was also not doing the best form of exercise because I was looking for machines that told me how many calories I was <laughs> expending out. Um, so this recommendation is important, but it's not as easy or simple as you might think. Yeah, I think the big thing is that we are not machines. Right. So it's not like this equation of, oh, I had this many calories and then I burned this many. Like it's impossible to tell exactly how many calories are going in or going out. Um, I think in a previous episode, you had discussed that the FDA requires a calorie count that is within 20 percent accuracy rates. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, which is a gigantic, uh, gigantic range to fall under. So 
you're not exactly sure what you're what you're getting in and then also expending energy like those machines have no idea and it, you can't possibly tell how many calories you're burning because it all depends on the person your metabolic rate the amount of muscle you have there's so many different factors that it's not just a, a simple equation right so because of that, we don't want you to feel discouraged. We do have some, <laughs> some ways that you can work on this equation at least. Um, so one is to build muscle with strength training um, because the more muscle you have, the faster your metabolism will actually start to work. Mm -hmm. So doing strength training, don't worry about how many calories you're burning during the session. It's more about creating, like it's more about revving up your metabolism with more muscle. So instead of thinking like this today, I need, I'm, burning this many calories in my workout, think about my workout as preparing my body to be able to burn more calories every day in the future. Yeah. Um, so strength training is going to be one way that you can start to improve that, that energy balance. Um, maximizing post-workout energy expenditure. Um, so using high intensity interval training. So that was actually one of the things that um, our question actually brought up. She uses high intensity interval training. That is a really good way of, of um, exercising because it actually helps you to burn more calories after the fact. Um, so even once you've stopped exercising, your body continues to burn calories as opposed to something like going for a walk or a jog where you burn calories in the moment, but then your body just kind of neutralizes and goes back to where it was. Mm -hmm. um, regularly switching up your programming. So when you're working out, making sure that you're not just doing the same thing all the time, but you need to switch up your programming to force new stimuli and adaptations so that your body, you know, gets different, um, well, adaptations yeah. and, <laughs> um, and then uh, boosting your non non-exercise physical activity so this is uh they call it neat non-exercise activity, activity thermogenesis yeah thermogenesis <laughs> um and this is these are things that you just do on a daily basis like blow drying your hair or going to the mailbox like these things that you don't consider exercise but they're actually that's not ex that's not neat actually not exercise oh no it is it is, yeah, it is. oh my gosh okay so uh, I was just kind of thinking of different things that I do on a daily basis. And one of them the other day I was grocery shopping and I knew I had like a decent amount of things, but I was like, pretty sure I can get them all in a cart, in a, a handheld carrier cart instead of a push cart. <laughs> and so I like did all, I, by the, by the end, my basket weighed like 55 pounds, I was like dying. <laughs> but I was like, man, I just actually worked out while I was grocery shopping. <laughs> um, so little things like that, like think, think about things that you're doing throughout the day and ways that you can actually just increase your activity level just a little bit with your general. Yeah. Like take, life. taking the stairs instead of the elevator, parking yeah. a little bit further away, all those, um, general recommendations, going for a walk with your dog. Um, yeah, yeah. All, all of these things increase your daily calorie output so that you continue to try to get into that negative uh, energy balance. Mm -hmm. um, sleeping, sleeping seven to nine hours every night is super important and actually does have an effect on your metabolic rate. If you don't sleep enough, it will actually slow down. Um, and then making sure that you don't engage in extreme diets. So you want to make sure that you're not doing anything that's going to put you at risk for some long-term effects with your metabolism if you're going in, in extreme directions with dieting. So cutting out food groups like we were talking about or doing cleanses, anything like that, it can actually have a longer-term effect on your metabolism. So instead trying to keep things like we were talking about before, fairly balanced, fairly neutral in terms of your dieting yeah. activities. Going back to the building muscle part, I think people understand that um, they need to be strength training, or for the most part, at least probably most likely our listeners. Um, but something that needs to be done over time is that you need to be lifting more weight 
for more repetitions over time. So if you started strength training and you're squatting with, uh, let's say, 85 pounds on your back and you're doing it for three sets of 10, um, over the next year or two, ideally you want to bump that number up to maybe 115 for three sets of 10 or 125 for three sets of 10. If you're not continuously pushing these compound exercises, so bench, squat, deadlift, all these big movements um, consistently um, uh, over and over again, then your body gets into a point where it just it has no reason to adapt and has no reason to build lean muscle mass. So you really need to um, systematically progress these numbers. Um, I, I think that's probably the big one, right? It's definitely the big one. It's the reason I put it first. Yeah. I mean, it definitely is the biggest one. And I think it's the most misunderstood in terms of why exercise will have an effect on weight loss. Mm-hmm. Um, people think of exercise having an effect on weight loss being the cardio, cardiovascular exercise. They yeah. think of like just the, the calories that you burn in the moment. They don't necessarily think about the the implications over time. Yeah. So they get, yeah, a, a sample program might look like someone doing a back squat for 95 pounds and then they go into um, a set of push-ups and then they go into a set of pull-ups and then the next day they do something else but something similar along those lines and then they just do that and then they tell us that they've been doing I've been doing three strength training sessions a week and a hit session a week and it hasn't been really tr- been translating but you have to build in some sort of progress within that strength training in order for it to elicit some set of some sort of adaptation so it needs to be a progressive strength training session not just strength strength training in general absolutely um, we should actually probably put together a sample resource or sample program that builds on that, actually. it's a good idea. <laughs> Maybe we should. <laughs> Maybe we will. <laughs> I was like trying to trying to think of something that we can point our listeners to, but we'll 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 make that. That'll that'll be put on the list. <laughs> awesome. It's on the list. I'm writing it down now. Um great. So I think I hope that covers a lot of it. Yeah. Um, did you have anything else that you can think of in terms of general fat loss advice? Um, no. Um, yeah, this is, again, it's something that is very individual. It's not something that you can just go read a a book on or read an article about and think that it's going to work for you. Mm. It is going to be very different from person to person. Um, so experiment, please remember that you're, you're, you can be your own experiment. You can be, you can adapt to different, different situations. Just don't, don't put yourself in a box and, and then all of a sudden think like, oh, I'm doing everything that everybody's told me and it's not working for me. Um, you know, experiment with things even outside of this list that we gave you. Just keep trying different things and, and be patient. Once you try something new, be patient with it. Take some time to let it actually settle in um, and then see like, is this going the direction I want it to or is it not? And if it's not, change it up, do something different. Yeah, actually, I, I think the patience part is very key. And just knowing that you're probably in for a, a 12 to 24 month journey of even if you do everything exactly right, it's probably going to take that long in order to see the results that you would want to see. So just um, I think people start chasing things at the short term and then they run into going into shortcuts or getting really frustrated or getting really anxious about food and things like that. So mm-hmm. just Allow yourself time to get to this place and uh, be kind to yourself along the way. Yes, absolutely. That should have been number one, actually. (laughs) All right. Cool. I think that's a bit. 
Wow. That's about, that's <laughs> that's, about it. That's about it, everyone. <laughs> Please send in any podcast questions to podcast at AchieveFitnessBoston.com or DM us at AchieveFitnessBoston on Instagram. Um, please also submit a review on iTunes. I think people have been having a little bit of trouble. I think the podcast app hasn't been working in the review department, but maybe if you could go on your laptop, that would be awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, and I guess that's about it. So until next time. Peace. Love and, and muscles. Oh, and one more thing. So we actually have a ebook on our website. It's called Achieve Fitness Nutrition Guide that covers a lot of the stuff that we talked about today, but a little bit more in detail. We also want to offer it for free. Um, just use the code ASKACHIEVE, no space, um, in the checkout section, and uh, you can access that for free. We'll have that code be valid for the next week. Also, if you're looking for more of a personalized coaching approach, uh, we do offer online uh, nutrition consultations through Skype, uh, where we can go over a lot more in detail of how to execute this stuff um, as we figure out more and more of your situation and the correct context. So we will link that in the show notes below if you're interested. Um, and yeah, that's about it. 